Welcome back to In the Queue Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil. And after I saw today's movie, I thought to myself, there's got to be some real-world corporation called LexCorp. And <laughs> I Googled them, and sure enough, the first hit popped up, and it was an actual company, or so it seemed, because it Ooh. was in actuality just a promotional website for Batman versus Superman. Of course. Yeah. Boo. Uh-huh. But it was totally, <laughs> it was very, like it was very fleshed out and looked very real. Professionally done. And then there's a, there's a page for uh, Jesse Eisenberg's bio, which kind of gave it away. <laughs> well, there's a, I think one of the weird things about this film and one of the things that sort of tipped me off to the quality of it <laughs> Was the all of the real world tie-ins? There was like a Turkish Airlines tie-in for this uh-huh. film that just operated as a normal airline commercial, and just had "quote unquote" Bruce Wayne in it in the middle of it. But otherwise, it was played completely straight, like a Turkish Airlines commercial. And they mentioned Gotham a few times, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is insanity!" Like, there's no, there's nothing tongue in cheek about it. There's nothing. Yeah. It's just playing. It's a. It look. It is a straight airline commercial that mentions Gotham and has Ben Affleck. Right. Well, you know they say. I mean, they're probably thinking that you know kids today are so savvy. Our audience is so savvy to to the web and the media. Like, what a stupid. Anyway. Well, you know, it, uh, it all goes back to. I think the first people to do this in modern times was the folks behind Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, because. Yeah, but that was tongue-in-cheek, though. That was not... It was not... I mean, it was... It did fool people, or was intended to fool people, but it was not... It wasn't... It wasn't like this, is what I'm saying. Well, I haven't seen that the airline commercial, but basically the purpose of the website for LexCorp is, of course, to sign up and join a mailing list for Warner Brothers and DC Comics. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, because there's going to be a whole bunch more of these. We'll get to talking about right. that. I am your co-host, Andrew. And I think that my favorite part about this film was when Batman showed up in the Lego Batman trailer that was ahead of the film. <laughs> we, did, we didn't have the Lego Batman trailer before the film. Oh, we did. And it was amazing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we had it, we didn't have very cool trailers. We had the trailer for the new J.K. Rowling film. Oh yeah, she, I, I didn't have that one. Yeah, Fantastic Beasts. Um, yeah, uh, and she she actually wrote the screenplay for that. It didn't look like anything that special, but yeah, it looks pretty. We'll, ordinary. We'll talk about the, the relative specialness of movies in just a moment. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we. Will. We're going to be speaking about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, the current it film, uh, whether or not for quality, but certainly for uh, popularity at the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that, I want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog at www.in-the-q, that's the letter q.com. On our blog, all of our episodes are posted going back to the very beginning. You can participate in the comments section. You can listen to, as I mentioned, any website or any recording that we have dating back for our two-year uh, catalog. Um, also, we have a Facebook page, and on our Facebook page, we have, once again, all of our episodes. You can participate in the comments section. You can leave listener requests for movies you would like us to review. 
And that's actually the preferred way that we like you guys to leave your requests because through the nature of Facebook, it enables us to contact you and mm-hmm. hopefully have you on the show with us to talk about your chosen film. Mm-hmm. So just search Facebook for In the Queue. That's Q-U-E-U-E. And we also post videos and other things on Facebook that kind of supplement the discussion that we happen to be having for that particular film. Uh, also, in the social media universe, we have a Twitter account. It is at ITQ Podcast. Uh, we are getting new Twitter followers every day. I know I say that every time, but it's still true. Mm-hmm. So follow mm-hmm. us. We'll follow you back. And then lastly, we are on iTunes. Just subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, in the queue, Q-U-E-U-E is how it's spelled. And all of our shows are posted. You can binge listen to them uh, as soon as you subscribe. And all of our new episodes will be delivered straight to you twice a week. So much truth in all of that. Really, it's like a veritable Rosetta Stone of podcasting. A truth buffet. A truth if we knew, if we had, but, 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 uh, cut faith, faith. Ah! Okay, that was the funniest part of the first Hail Caesar trailer. Yes. All right, so the movie we're talking about today is the one and only Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. This movie is notorious for already, already yeah, for, for getting a, ter- a lot of things. Yeah, getting terrible meta scores and Rotten Tomatoes scores. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the IMDb score is, it's kind of like... Shockingly high. Well... Yeah, it's kind of high, but I would basically agree. It's 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 where like the Avengers two will end up settling after a year's after it's been released for a year. It's sure. it's the kind of rating that somewhat halfway decent superhero movies get after they've been out for a very long time, and this movie hasn't even been out for a week. I'm shocked that you are willing to give it the concession that it's somewhat halfway decent i am actually yeah i am will- oh. i am willing to give it that concession um this will be fun so basically the, this movie takes place about 18 months after the events of the the film man of steel in which mm-hmm. superman battled uh general zod and uh there was a huge amount of casualties and destruction that resulted in metropolis after the battle and uh in this new film uh, Bruce Wayne, who is ultra ego, is Batman. For those of you who have been living in Iraq your whole life, um, it's funny. I said it sounds like I said you were living in Iraq your whole life, but I meant to yeah, say you've been living in Iraq. I meant to say under a rock, not in Iraq. It's okay. All right. So I forgive you. Thank you. Uh, but does Clark Kent forgive me? Um, well, he's a fictional character, so no. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> Bruce Wayne sort of he 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 sees that Superman is kind of a threat to the city, and a lot of other people are sort of agreeing with this perception. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, LexCorp's mogul uh, Lex Luthor, um, who has been seeing Superman as a threat for a long time, um, is basically trying to find some kind of a way to to scapegoat Superman and, and destroy him. Um, he allies with the senator. June Finch, played by Holly Hunter, uh, who mm. is, was, I was really enjoyed seeing her in this movie. 
I mean, uh, maybe it's not really a very highbrow project for her, but I really enjoy watching Holly Hunter act is what I'm saying. Fair enough. (laughs) And so they are basically, um, Luther is trying to, I don't want to get too bogged down in the details, but yeah, basically what happens you're is gonna, you're going to spend 10 minutes talking about the plot Lex of this Luther, film. Lex Luthor uh, scapegoats Superman against Batman. And mm-hmm. he, he convinces uh, that they, them that they need to fight the, and he, with the idea that they will kill each other. Hence the titular name Batman versus Superman. And, um, and then there's other sorts of ancillary characters. Wonder Woman makes an appearance. Um, there's also uh, the 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 greater superhero threat that emerges in the climax of the film is Doomsday, and mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so that's basically kind of the general idea. And I think we're going to have some spoiler alerts throughout the film. Yeah, I don't think we can talk about this film without talking about some pretty substantial spoilers. So, ladies and gentlemen, consider this your spoiler alert. Right. So. I'm not like a really big fan of superhero movies. I never really have been. Mm-hmm. Even when I was in this target demographic of 18-year-olds, I was never really into them. And I would often mock superhero movies, mystery science Ooh. theater 3000 style, while I was watching them. Really? Um, that was kind of the way I watched movies. Uh, maybe I was snobby and I only wanted to see movies that were canonized as being great cinema. But... uh but, I think that's probably a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah. But overall, while this film, I, I was kind of annoyed by the first 40 minutes or so because it was this, this, the film jumps from thread to thread and without resolving anything, like it'll, oh, it'll yes. set up one situation in one part of the country or one period of time, then it'll move to something else. And just when the previous thread is getting interesting or developing into something, it cuts to something completely different. So for the first half hour or 40 minutes, you kind of have to mentally juggle all these threads and and play catch up just to sort of follow what should be a very kind of easy easy to comprehend and easy to digest superhero film. But (laughs) once once it gets... Once the, the, the two main superheroes get more screen time and and they have their epic battle which occurs sort of in the the last third of the film i i thought this was was a decent superhero movie i thought i didn't think it was terrible at all i i thought i thought it delivered on a lot of fronts that these movies are supposed to deliver i could not disagree more all right well let's hear your side i thought it was a garbled mess of a film in every regard i thought that the Screenplay was one of the worst that I've ever seen, not just in a superhero movie, but in a, I mean, you know, superhero movies don't even set that bar very high, uh-huh. but this was among the worst of those. Uh, I found that the performances were muddled and inconsistent. I thought that the uh, cinematography was a complete nightmare. Really? Uh, yeah, it was, it was visual, it was visual garbage. It was, it was absolutely incomprehensible what was going on. The spatial relationships between people was was totally jacked. I mean, I could not ever tell where anybody was or what was going on. Are you talking about just during the action sequences? Primarily during the action sequences, yeah. The, when it wasn't in an action sequence, everything was just presented completely dull 
in a dull fashion. Uh-huh. There was no creative framing. There was no creative uh, editing. Uh-huh. There, there was nothing interesting going on in this film at any point. I, I thought this was a complete nightmare of a film wow. in almost every way. I, I was so bored by this film, even at the height of the action, that I, I, I was finding myself yawning and looking to the exit. I mean, it was... Wow. This was among the worst superhero movies that I've seen and one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. Damn. Well, don't beat around the bush, Andrew. Tell us how you really feel. I, I think it's garbage. I, I honestly, I, I can't comprehend. I, I, don't, I don't see what... It, if anybody sees value in this, including yourself, I don't know what it is. Well, I'll start by sort of cherry-picking the, the look of the movie, the cinematography. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like the visuals of this film. I thought that it was. Uh, I thought they were muddy and dull, and well, they were, everything was the same palette. And they were nothing. gothic. They were gothic. They were they were gray. They were they were dark, and I would I would say cine- Christopher Nolan's Gotham for for the Batman movies used the same color palette, but was incredibly rich in detail and in layers. And, and well, in, I wasn't thinking about any other films when I was when I was watching this film. I was just looking at what what we already had and. I thought the 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 kind of the, the sort of the gunmetal blue grayish uh <laughs> tint uh extended almost throughout all the scenes. It seemed it seemed to extend throughout all of Bruce Wayne's Batman scenes and including the scenes with him and Alfred played by Jeremy Irons. And mm-hmm. um I actually I just kind of I thought it was it was it was handsomely done. I mean a lot of this was CGI and I'm not really a fan of CGI. I can't. But Zack Snyder's style is I mean I can't I hate it. I hate it. I've hated it since 300 and I haven't liked a single film that he's made since then. Mm-hmm. The closest he came to making a decent film was Watchmen and even that was pretty flawed. Mm-hmm. And this this whole green screen aesthetic is just something I cannot get behind. I can't everything looks so unbelievably fake nothing has weight nothing has depth nothing has dimension everything is just muddled there's a just a a sensory overload it's just and and i don't mean that in a good way i mean that in the worst possible way in the same way that the uh the third uh star wars prequel right Uh uh the revenge of the sith it the, the the opening sequence in that is one in, in which Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin are flying through a field of craziness happening. And it the visual information is so much that you cannot see what is happening or how it's happening. You get completely lost and it's just a bunch of very quick edits and nothing makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's – I don't know if it's meant to create the same kind of sense of disorientation that, for instance, a born – film like the Bourne films do with their quick edits and their mm-hmm. shaky camera work and all that kind of stuff. But in a context like this, it just simply doesn't work. Well, it just doesn't work. I mentioned the Avengers earlier. Um, the, mm-hmm. uh, the second Avengers movie in particular, uh, really suffers from this phenomenon that Andrew is talking about in terms of, um, mm-hmm. special effects and, and, oh, and overdoing them like, um, sort oh, yeah. of like sensory overload. But, I will say in this film I did not get that same overload because for the most part 
these battle sequences are fairly introverted in the sense that it's one against the other and there aren't a lot in the way of visual noise or distractions happening. It's either you didn't find at least in the battle with Doomsday when Wonder Woman was lassoing him and uh, Superman was throwing him around and Batman was shooting grenades at him. You didn't find that to be just a complete and he was charging up to deploy his EMP. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was fine, and I and I have come to expect this type of graphic arts from superhero movies like these. And it was not it was not offensive to me because I thought that it was it was not sort of a an, a barrage of information. It was still basically relatable. You've got Wonder Woman here, you've got Doomsday here, you've got Batman and Superman, and those players were all duking it out. And um, I, I I thought the spatial relations were decent enough that I could adequately follow and be entertained by the fighting without feeling like I was watching a big mess. Interesting. Uh, on that point, I will just have to agree to disagree <laughs> with you because I found it to be visually confusing on on every level. I thought it was just – I couldn't make sense of it. Well, I'm curious now what you think about Miss Holly Hunter's performance in this film. Oh, I think it's one of her worst performances. <laughs> I think I think it's terrible. <laughs> I think it's a poorly written character. I think it is – uh, it's poorly placed in context of the film and it's, it, it seemed to me like she was just phoning it in. Uh, it didn't seem like an impassioned performance. It didn't seem like she had anything to care that much about. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to pin down what it was that she cared about. Mm. I, it was, it was, I mean, we, she was pro Superman, but also kind of anti Superman at the same time. And within the context of the rule of law and, her as a congressperson or whatever she was, it, it it was. I found that to be extremely confusing as well. Hmm. I thought it was. I thought it was poorly set up. I thought it was poorly written. I thought she just served to be the face of the government within the context of this convoluted and stupid plot. And I thought that she, I mean, you know, I mean, put in a, a mop with some glasses on it, and it could have serve the same purpose they, they could have saved a lot of money too if they did that they could have that reminds me of a 400 million dollar movie i jesus christ that reminds no no it's 250 million dollar movie with all of the marketing it was 400 million dollars oh well this is the age we live in yeah um what you said just just now reminded me of how i feel about the new ghostbusters trailer um because yeah. there's a scene where um melissa mccarthy is talking to her fellow scientists and she's like come on we gotta new york city's being taken over by the paranormal holtzman you're an engineering genius oh yeah and God. and uh, and kristen wig you're you're great nobody's better at quantum physics than you <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, that yeah those lines it was like oh kill me now do we it, do we have to do this right like is this something that we have to do and so for the purposes of of batman versus superman holly hunter is senator finch and she is that figurehead. She is the politician. She is the the establishment. Who? Yeah, but she never seems like a credible threat to anything. It doesn't seem like she's doing. Is she what supposed to be a threat? She, don't, yeah. Otherwise, why? What's the dramatic tension between her and Lex Luthor? Well, she. Yeah, if I she's mean, not she's a, she, a threat, she's an impediment to Luthor's plans becoming a reality. 
How so? Did it seem like everybody else seemed to be on the other side of her? She was one person. Do we live in a, a society where one senator's vote can can? It's not like they have to have a hundred percent right agreement in order to pass a, a resolution. Like I don't understand what what were the stakes of this? Like why did she even matter? Why was that a? It's like it's like a a second grader who saw a congressional hearing on television trying to figure out how it works and putting that on screen. I don't understand. Yeah, well, she she stonewalls Luther, but it, I have to concede I don't really know what her motivations were. And, no. and a, according to the synopsis on IMDb, they don't know either. They just know that she she was standing in his way. And spoiler alert. Luther, um, in my one of the most interesting parts of the movie, uh, Luther sabotages this the a Senate hearing and with an explosive device and kills Senator Finch and, and lots of other people. Well, here is a very interesting point. Yeah, that I I was deeply unnerved by in the screening that I went to. People were taking savage glee at. Lex Luthor causing her pain both before she gets blown up. There's a, he pulls a prank on her, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and when she gets blown up, but also in the conversation that they have this one-on-one conversation that's supposed to be full of portent and, you know, great meaning that they have that I'm sitting there going, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know why, it, why any of this matters <laughs> in that conversation. Lex Luthor would have these like snide little comments and, the people in the theater with me were losing their minds. Yeah. They were they thought it was so funny that he was like torturing her and threatening her. And I was like, this is just a human being with a an opinion about something. What is happening in this movie? That people are on the side of Lex Luthor of all people. Right. Well to oh it it exploded my brain. Like I don't Only in New York, think, right? No, I don't think so. I think only when when people's brains can't function because they can't actually understand what's going on they're taking the the sort of comfortable cues that they know and that they appreciate like clearly this was supposed to be a laugh line therefore i'm gonna laugh at it but not because they actually understood what was happening or what what was now you remind me now you remind me of the cowboy in uh mulholland drive (laughs) 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 who said who has meets with justin thoreau in that like in the like the Uh barn or the ranch at night and he's like now, do you, do you agree with me because you actually believe in what I said, or were you just being a smartass? Yep, yep. Um, I don't know. Why are we still surprised by these things, Andrew? I mean, really. Why? Yeah. Because there is a history of good films being made in this genre, in this style, that don't show these trends. They don't show the – they're not inexplicable. They're not not understandable. They're not – uh, total messes of logic, script, acting, visuals. They're not any of those things. I have to... I'll, I'll just call back yeah. to, to last year, X-Men Days of Future Past, or two years ago, maybe it was now. Two years. Um, yeah, X-Men Days of Future Past, which I know isn't a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, but it was among the superhero movies that I've seen, a very good one. Or even last year's, or this year's, I guess, Deadpool, mm-hmm. right? Deadpool... Though it was it's a comedy foremost, I think it's, it's a comedy first and foremost. It was still everything was understandable. Everything in the film was understandable. You understood the stakes. You understood what Deadpool wanted. You understand what he was going to do to achieve what he wanted. You understand what the bad guys wanted. You understand you understood what 
Deadpool's presence in the world meant to them. Mm-hmm. All of these things were very, very clear and and not because we know Deadpool, you know, Deadpool's certainly not on the level of Superman or Batman in terms of it's his place in the the mythos of our culture, right? We we don't have this kind of intrinsic understanding of who they are and what they represent. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? But what Deadpool did was it took the the time and the effort and had a very clever script that laid out all of the rules of the universe of Deadpool. This is what Deadpool is. This is how it works. This is who he is. And then you watch the film and it abides by those rules and you, you can see it and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Right. This film, it's just, it's just, it's a complete mess. It's a complete garbage mess. I think it's pretty clear that the origin of this film was, Hey, let's pit Superman against Batman and make a movie about it. And well, the, and the whole specifically, th- yeah, go ahead. Specifically, the origin is it's a little mix of a few different storylines, but the thing that they're drawing very heavily upon is the Frank Miller comic book, uh, Dark Knight Returns from the '80s. This was this is a seminal comic book work. It was sort of the first of the uh, very dark and introspective sort of anti-comic book comic books you know it kind of took the superhero mythos and turned it on its head and kind of deeply explored the inherent sort of moral questions that Uh that exist in a superhero universe right and in that in that comic an aging batman fights superman because of ideological disagreements right Mm -hmm. And he builds this big robotic bat suit so that he can actually stand up to Superman. It's great. It's amazing. Within the context of that story, it's one of the most amazing things that I've ever read. Yeah. It's truly incredible. And that was clearly the genesis of the idea for this film. But they strayed very far from it. And they incorporated like the the death of Superman doomsday storyline, which, of course, was another thing from my youth when I was collecting comic books and reading them. Mm-hmm. That, that whole storyline was very prominent and for a little while we thought we were going to have a no superman for a while um that didn't turn out to happen because they needed him too badly right right (laughs) for their bottom line uh but you know it it i don't know what the genesis was other than like oh we need to recreate this cool thing but it's like it's shorn of all context right he he took that battle it's like i mean Let's keep in mind that Zack Snyder directed 300, right? This was sort uh-huh. of the thing that really put him on the map. And 300 was an adaptation of a Frank Miller graphic novel called 300. Right. And so he's clearly a big uh, Frank Miller fan, understandably. I love Frank Miller's work. But it's like he takes the the visuals and the ideas of Frank Miller's work and completely shears them of all context and then just represents that on the screen just like the cool stuff the things he thinks are cool right well i can see how that would be offensive to somebody who knows and loves the comics upon which the story was based um for me though being totally unfamiliar with the comics uh Mm -hmm. it was just i was i had fresh eyes with the story and uh what i mostly had it to compare to not having seen man of steel either like i said i don't really see superhero movies unless they're for the podcast the only thing I had to compare it to was uh, was Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. And I was thinking, right. okay, here you've got Jeremy Irons in place of Michael Caine, two legendary, highly respectable British actors. Then you've got 
Ben Affleck instead of Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that I couldn't see him as anything other than Ben Affleck. I really just could not yeah. lose myself. Uh, I could see Jeremy Irons in in this role of this uh, handyman slash um, sort of ex- er, well-to-do butler. English butler. But, but Ben Affleck, to me, I could not possibly suspend my disbelief to see him as anything other than, oh, now this is Ben Affleck attempting to do this scene as Bruce Wayne. And I and Ben Affleck is a handsome man, and when he's wearing a nice suit and walking around cocktail parties, he looks very presentable and he cleans up well. But he's it's kind of like what Justin Thoreau said about actors, where when you, when an actor becomes a personality and a celebrity, you know, and you know what kind of couch they have, and you know mm-hmm. where they go on vacation, and when you see them on the screen, they no longer transport you into this new world. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think that Ben Affleck was not the best choice for this role. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't agree with you more <laughs> because I completely agree with you. I think that Ben Affleck was a poor choice. I think Henry Cavill is possibly the worst choice for Superman. Interesting. I thought um, he was pretty good. Oh, uh, I thought he, I think he's awful. I thought he was awful in Man of Steel. I think he's awful in this. Uh, I thought that. What's awful about Amy, him, though? Like, Amy Adams was a weak Lois Lane. Oh, I think he's just. I don't think he. I don't think he turned in a very good performance. Well, I just. I just think that he's. He's a. You know. I mean, the. You know. Again, not to compare to people who have done the job previously. Mm-hmm. But you look at Christopher Reeve's Superman, and Christopher Reeve's Superman is a wonderful blend of the super and the man part of Superman. Right? He actually has a heart and he actually has a you know a sense of humor and he exists in a world where um he can pass himself off as a human being henry cavill's superman is a stoic non-person well when, I mean, when you like henry cavill in this film what you're liking is basically what he can do i mean as superman when he's clark kent i thought he was yeah. totally worthless yeah so i mean so just computerized it like i mean every single second of him doing stuff as superman is computerized anyway so what do you even need the actor for what's the purpose what a bold new world this could be what a terrible new world this could be <laughs> this is the this is the path that Zack snyder is leading us down i thought amy adams was poorly cast as she had uh, she had nothing to Lois do Lane. she was just window dressing yeah well i was same thing in man of steel which was also a garbage movie uh uh i thought that the Gal Gadot, who we're now going to be subjected to for however many more <laughs> stupid movies, I thought she was a terrible Wonder Woman. Also, doesn't yeah, she w- doesn't really represent the character particularly well. This lithe model instead of like this big, strong Amazon, right? You know, woman. Um, it, she although the the audience that I saw it with lost their fucking minds when she <laughs> came on screen i mean the it was like it was like the audience had been asleep until that point wow and then suddenly they just everybody was hooting and hollering and cheering and going crazy when she came out as wonder woman and i was like really what is what's so special about what's happening right now i don't see anything right other than i mean maybe the fact that it is wonder woman and she's finally in a movie there's a female super strong female superhero that we can all get behind, I guess. Did you know that Deborah Winger played 
Wonder Girl in the original TV series in the 70s? No. Yeah, I I recently found that out, and there's actually there's a YouTube video which collects all of her scenes. She was in like only two or three episodes, and wow. she was she was Wonder Girl when she was like in her early twenties or late teens, I think. Wow, that's crazy. But um, yeah, I I, I kind of well, thought like there's got to be more. There got there's got to be more built, more charismatic. Uh, people who could play Wonder Woman, I feel better actresses. Yeah. Also, people without an Israeli accent—that was that's strange. <laughs> it's strange to hear Wonder Woman. I don't think she's is. I don't think her heritage. She's an Amazon. She's not a. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so basically, it's, it's a weird thing. I thought I, I just think she's not a good actress. I mean, she's great in like the Fast and the Furious movies because uh-huh. she she's cast in a particular type of role, just as everybody in those movies is. You know, Vin Diesel is cast as Vin Diesel, right? The Rock is cast as The Rock. They're not cast as complex, interesting characters. Right, you know? yeah. It's a car movie. <laughs> it's a car movie. You're there for the stunts and the and the the brotastic dialogue, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and they're great. I love the Fast and the Furious movies. Don't don't get me wrong, I enjoy the hell out of those. But um but you know, I, I also found it the whole the franchise building I thought in this film was so cynical. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so I was like, oh, God, now we're going to have to be subjected to a Wonder Woman movie with Gal Gadot and we're going to be subjected to an Aquaman movie with Jason Momoa and we're going to be suggested or sub- subjected to a Flash movie with Ezra. What's his name from Perks of Being a Wallflower? Ezra like, Miller? Uh, Ezra Miller, yeah. Like, oh, geez. Like, it's, it's – I mean, I mean, I was looking I was looking online and this is the insane – schedule that they have are they just are they just as insane as marvel they're they're getting more insane in the year 2017 we have the justice league part one as well as the wonder woman movie in 2018 we have the flash movie the aquaman movie and then in 2019 we have justice league part two that's three years and five movies yeah oh my god God, kill me now. Jesus Christ, when will it end? That's not even counting all the stupid Marvel movies we're going to get in that time. And oh. yet every time one of these movies comes out, you're like, oh, no, we have to review it for the podcast. <laughs> we have to. We have to. Only because these they're, are, they're big releases. These are our bread and butter, Philip. You know, we got we to gotta review every single superhero movie that comes out. I, I, I wait for the gems, the diamonds in the rough, yeah. the Deadpools, the Days of Future Past. Well... Those are both part of the same universe, too, aren't they? Those are both 20th, 20th Century Fox and not considered Marvel Enterprises. That is true. So maybe there's something to that. I think there is. Well, okay. I think that pretty much wraps it up for our Batman versus <laughs> Superman uh, <laughs> podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, as you can probably guess, Andrew hated this movie. I it's so much. I didn't hate it. I thought it was okay, but it's nothing extraordinary. And um, I... But still, you know what? I'm glad I saw what, what everybody was talking about. I'll put it that way. Certainly. And I'll always go see a bad movie. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind watching bad movies. But, uh, but yeah, I, I can't recommend this film. I mean, like, it's made its money back. Let's, let's not give it any more money, people. Okay. Well said. All right. Stay tuned for our next episode. It's going to be another listener's choice. We're going to have 
Ian McLaren on the show. Ian is the local filmmaker. He's local to where I am in Greensboro, North Carolina. He made a film called I Meme You, which got accepted to the Slam Dance Film Festival. Yeah. He's a friend of mine from college, and he's also a graduate of the same school that me and Andrew dropped out of. So we're looking forward to having him on the show. So stay tuned later in the week for that episode. <laughs>